0: chapter 4 of a Bayard from bengal by f n Stee. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by don w jenkins chapter 4 a kick from a friendly foot she is a radiant damsel with features fair and fine but since betrothed to bosom's friend she never can be mine original poem by h b j unpublished Mr. Bosch's bosom friend, the Lord Jack Jolly, had kindly undertaken to officiate as his Palinurus, and steer him safely from the Scylla to the Charybdis of the London season. And one day Lord Jolly arrived at our hero's apartments as the bearer of an invite from his honourable parent, the Baronet, to partake of Tiffin at their ancestral abode in Chepstow Villas, which Bindabun gratefully accepted arrived at the jolly sumptuous interior a numerous retinue of pampered menials and gilded flunkies divested mr bosh of his hat and umbrella and ushered him into the hall of audience bosh my dear old pal said lord jack i have news for you i am engaged as a benedict and am shortly to celebrate matrimony with a young good-looking female the princess petunia jones my lord replied mr suffer me to hang around your patrician neck the floral garland of my humble congratulations my dear bosch responded the youthful peer of the realm i regard you as more than a brother and am confident that when my betrothed beholds your countenance she will conceive for you a similar lively affection but hush here she comes to answer for herself princess permit me to present to you the best and finest friend i possess mr bindabun Mr. Bosch modestly lowered his optics as he salaamed with inimitable grace, and it was not until he had resumed his perpendicular that he recognized in the Princess Jones the charming unknown whom he had last beheld engaged in repelling the assault of a distracted cow. Their eyes were no sooner crossed than he knew that she regarded him as her deliverer, and was consumed by the most ardent affection for him. But Mr. Bosch repressed himself with heroic magnanimity for he reflected that she was the affianced of his dearest friend, and that it was contrary to bon ton to poach another's jam. So he merely said, "'How do you do? It is a very fine day. I am delighted to make your acquaintance.' And turning on his heels with a profound curtsey, he left her flabbergasted with mortification. But those only who have compressed their souls in the shoe of self-sacrifice know how devilishly it pinches and mr Bosch's grief was so acute that he rolled incessantly on his couch while the radiant image of his divinity danced tantalizingly before his bloodshot vision eventually he became calmer and after plunging his fervid body into a foot-bath he showed himself once more in society assuming an air of meretricious waggishness to conceal the worm that was busily cankering his internals and so successful was he that lord jack was entirely deceived by his vis comica and invited him to spend the autumn up the country with his respectable parents mr boche accepted but when he knew that princess petunia was also to be one of the amis de la maison he was greatly concerned at the prospect of infallibly reviving her love by his propinquity and thereby inflicting the cup of calamity on his best friend "'Willingly would he have imparted the whole truth to his lordship, "'and counselled him to postpone the princess's visit "'until he himself should have departed. "'But, ah, me, with all his virtue he was not a Roman palladium, "'that he should resist the delight of philandry "'with the radiant queen of his soul, "'so he kept his tongue in his cheek. "'However, when they met in the ancient and rural castle, "'he constrained himself in conversing with her "'to enlarge enthusiastically upon the excellences of Lord Jack.' "'What a good, ripping, gentlemanly fellow he was, and how certain to make a best-quality husband!' Princess Jones listened to these encomiums with tender sighing, while her soft large orbs rested on Mr. Bosch with ever-increasing admiration. No one noticed how, after these elephantine efforts at self-denial, he would silently slip away and weep salt and bitter tears as he weltered dolefully on a doormat nor was it perceived that the princess herself was become thin as a weasel with disappointed love being the ardent sportsman mr Bosch sought to drown his sorrow with pleasures of the chase he would sally forth alone with no other armament than a breech-loading rifle and endeavour to slay the wild rabbits which infested the baronet's in domains and sometimes he had the good fortune to slaughter one or two or he would take a rod and hooks and a few worms and angle for salmons or else he would stock partridges, and once he even assisted in a fox-hunt, when he easily outstripped all the dogs and singly confronted Master Reynard, who had turned to bay savagely at his nose. But Bindabun undauntedly descended from his horse, and drawing his hunting dagger, so dismayed the beast by his determined and ferocious aspect that it turned its tail and fled into some other part of the country, which earned him the heartfelt thanks from his fellow Nimrods naturally such feats of arms as these only served to inflame the ardor of the princess to whom it was a constant wonderment that mr Bosch did never even in the most roundabout style allude to the fact that he had saved her life from perishing miserably on the pointed horn of an enraged cow she could not understand that the native temperament is too sheepishly modest to flaunt its deeds of heroism those who are au fait in knowledge of the world are aware that when there are combustibles concealed in any domestic interior there is always a person sooner or later who will contrive to blow them off and here too the serpent of mischief was waiting to step in with cloven hoof and play the very deuce it so happened that the duchess occupied the adjacent bungalow to that of baronet jolly and his lady with whom she was hail-fellow well met and this perfidious female set herself to ensnare the confidence of the young and innocent princess by discreetly lauding the praises of mr what an admirable indian crichton how many rabbits and salmons had he laid low that week truly she regarded him as a favourite son and marvelled that any youthful feminine could prefer an ordinary peer like lord jolly to a native paragon who was not only a university b a but had successfully passed bar exam and so forth and so on the princess readily fell into this insidious booby trap and confessed the violence of her attachment and how she had striven to acquaint mr bosch with her sentiments but was rendered inarticulate by maidenly bashfulness can you not then slip a love-letter into his hand inquired the duchess qui bono responded the princess sadly seeing that he never approaches near enough to me to receive such a missive and i dare not entrust it to one of my maidens why not to me said the duchess he will not refuse it coming from myself moreover i have influence over him and will soften his heart towards thee accordingly the princess indicted a rather impassioned love-letter in which she assured Mr. Bosch that she had divined his secret passion, and fully reciprocated it, also that she was the total indifferent to Lord Jack, with much other similar matters. Having obtained possession of this litera scripta, what does the inscrupulous duchess next but deliver it impromptu into the hands of Lord Jack, who, after perusing it, was overcome by uncontrollable wrath, and instantaneously summoned our hero to his presence?" HERE WAS THE PRETTY KETTLE OF FISH, BUT I MUST RESERVE THE SEQUEL FOR THE NEXT CHAPTER. END OF CHAPTER FOUR READ BY DON W. JENKINS RANCHO SAN DIEGO, dot SHAGGYBARK.BLOGSPOT.COM